He's your curly head mate who's ready to go Nobody knows snow like reggae no snow He's ready to blow like an atomic reactor This is the show where we call it Chill Factor Talk on the pow, are you ready right now? There's icons galore and they're ready to chow We got more power than a snowflower tractor Dropping the clutch, yeah, this is Chill Factor G'day, I'm Reggae Ellison. Welcome to the Chill Factor podcast presented by Swiss Tourism. In this episode, my guest is Kiwi professional free skier and mountaineer, Sam Smoothie. Born and raised in Wanaka, Sam was introduced to skiing and the mountains by his parents and has been skiing for as long as he can remember, honing his free ride skills in treble cones, epic terrain and the Southern Alps backcountry. Now, traditional route for Sam was uh, racing as a kid, and then he was inspired by the generation ahead of him to move into free skiing, which led to uh, competition on the Free Ride World Tour qualifying, and then he did make it onto the main tour where he had a long and successful stint. His uh, aggressive technical skiing attracted the attention of the producers at film company Teton Gravity Research, and he has featured in uh, TGR's annual release every year since 2015. Now, over the past few years, Sam's been getting into to mountaineering and his next project is ambitious to climb all 24 of New Zealand's 3,000 metre plus peaks and ski the ones that are skiable. Uh, Sam's an impressive man and there's a lot to talk about so let's drop in. Sam, thanks for joining us here on the Chill Factor podcast. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Well, um, yeah, we're just talking about, you know, this awesome start to winter you've had in New Zealand, you know. It's been a weird few years for, for everybody. must be nice to just be able to, you know, go up to your local mountain at Treble Cone and go skiing. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so great having a bit of, bit of normalcy returning um, and, and just to have it kick off with such a, a great winter, winter start. You know, we've had more snow early winter than I can remember and it's just got everyone absolutely fizzing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, um, what, mid-July and you guys have um, we got more snow up there than you had last year at all, I think. Yeah, something like that, eh? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been pretty unreal. That, that, that storm that came mid-June was just, it was like nothing I've ever seen before. We skied lines that, you know, low elevation lines around Wanaka that don't even normally have any snow at all. And all the sort of dream lines you always kind of wondered about if we were higher or further south and we actually got to skiing for the first time. Yeah, was it there's snow down in the down in the valley, the valley floor? Oh yeah, yeah, like quite a bit of snow. I hung around for a week or so, um, and we've had a couple of low snow events since then again. So yeah, it's just been unreal. Well, that's awesome. So um, okay, well for you, of course, Wanaka's home. You grew up there. Your, your background, um, obviously, your parents introducing you to the outdoors, skiing, and the mountains from a young age. Um, what was it like growing up there? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I was sort of around here all my life. Um, went, to, went to school in Cromwell, down the, down the valley, half an hour, but every weekend and, and holidays was spent living in Wanaka, and it's just, it was just such an amazing place to grow up with, you know, the access to the mountains on your doorstep and a really fun, supportive community that wanted to get out there and do a lot of fun things, and I was really lucky to have parents that, that were keen on it themselves, and they just dragged us along for the ride. Yeah. Now, um, you know, was it the normal progression for you, you know, like as far as, I mean, to get where you are as a pro skier, how did it start? Was it like the Mighty Might races and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, we had like, um, we had like the little, you know, local program and the, and the Wanaka Ski Club and 
we were sort of club members from an early age and I had my own little rat pack of, of skiers um, like Nicola Campbell and, and Nick Kingston and we just, yeah, we just went skiing as often as we could and that just progressed into like the race academy and, you know, whacking on the lycra and beating the bamboo poles and t- into into the snow and and then um and then the whole sort of free ski thing came along and and uh pretty soon we were sneaking off from uh race training to go do jumps and try and ski power and it just kind of got thoroughly out of hand from there really. <laughs> well with that, you know, of course you know you did the free ride world tour for what, three or four years, had some some big wins there and um that sort of introduce you i suppose to the international fraternity and um the the filming stage of your career yeah um yes yeah, so, i mean i spent spent a long time trying to get on the world tours you know it's, as as you can see it's super competitive get there with su- such a massively strong international contingent and um yeah ended up, as i said like six six years on tour which seems like an awful long time and had um had a big win in andorra that kind of got the got the the juices flowing at TGR at Teton Gravity and ended up um, linking up with them on a trip to Alaska, a pretty sort of life-defining trip there and ended up um, swapping out the competition gates for our film cameras and have just been kind of focused on filming ever since. And Yeah. It's uh, something that I, I still really love doing, you know, trying to, trying to tell, a, tell a rich story as opposed to just rating your whole season on a couple of two-minute uh, wonder runs, you know. Hey, no, it's pretty gnarly. One run and that make or break you, you know, like it's amazing you survived there for six years. But um, yeah, there's this huge, strong contingent of uh, Kiwi skiers on the Freeride World Tour, both qualifying and the, and the main tour. Um, they seem to all come out of, or not all just out of treble cone, but what's the story, you know, like is it just a natural progression for you guys, given the terrain, to just get into the big mountains? Yeah, I think it. I think it's partly like terrain and, and conditions. Um, we always had kind of, I think, just a natural affinity for free riding, given what we have here. And it's not just you know, triple cones amazing, but we've got like the Remarkables is, is a great venue with a whole bunch of steep free ride terrain. Like the Canterbury Club fields are just covered in it, you know. And there's just there's so much amazing backcountry you can get into as well. So like, it just seems to be a bit of a factory and just yeah. churning out, you know, class skiers. And, like, I think, I think you know, the fairly wild conditions we get breeds a skier that's pretty hardy and pretty used to sending it full noise and questionable uh, conditions, which uh, pre- preps people well for the Fruit World Tour. Because yeah. they, uh, they don't seem to have much luck getting powder. No, well, I was actually, um, uh, Phil, I think it was No Place Like Home, where you had, um, was it, who, who came down? Griffin, Griffin came down? And you're talking about in the intro. Oh yeah, wow. Well, yeah, it's not going to be Jackson Hole powder. There might be uh, New Zealand ice or something of that effect. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it's it's such a wild mountain range we have, and it just gets you know fairly well battered by uh, by weather being this lonely little island out in the middle of the South Pacific, and it just changes so quickly that um, as a ski, you've got to adapt with that, and I think it breeds like a hardy kind of resilient style of skiing. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, having been there and seen those mountains and then I used to, um, you know, when Harrow was doing the heli challenge back in the day, like that sort of probably, for many people, that was the introduction to New Zealand, that country, to the world. And you were in those events? Yeah. 
Yeah, I competed in the Halo Challenge uh, like three three times or something. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of second iteration when it sort of came back after a lapse for a few years. And yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, like the Halo Challenge was just such a rad circus that came to town and was really part of a big part of like showing us what was possible out there with you know, these talented riders from France and America coming to town and getting to see that, you know, that whole show go off on your home, home doorstep inspired like a whole generation of us, I think. And to be able to be a part of that down the line was, was really a really special time. Yeah, it was pretty wild. They used to have that, um, the big air with the bands, like on the main drag in Monica. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. There was uh, one year they had Grinspoon playing, and uh, that, was, that was an amazing, that was an amazing big hit. Uh, and they used that song, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the chorus is like, snap your fingers, snap your neck, is you know, <laughs> the footage of all these uh, guys eating, you know, absolutely blowing apart in the Chinese downhill. It was pretty mind-bending stuff for an early teenager. I can well imagine. I mean, like, Monica, you're talking about, you know, you had your posse growing up who you skied with and there's generations. I mean, you look at the skiers who've come out of Wanaka, you know, a small town in New Zealand. It's pretty amazing, you know, yourself and, and Anna, your sister, of course, then you've got the Bulos brothers. Um, you know, you've got the Wellses, Wells brothers. It just seems to be, is it just a culture of skiing in that town or...? Just pretty amazing to what's bubbling to the international level. I think it's a culture of skiing, and but but I think it's also like a. I, I think it's kind of part of this, you know, that sort of small community scene, you know, like that. You know, I had I had numerous mentors when I was young that helped me out and you know prodded me in the right direction, and and, and they had you know massive success as well. You know, like Hamish Ackland and yeah, and Jeff Small and Sam Hall. These like incredible guys before me and and it just kind of shows you that it's possible and and you know what what these young guys are doing now just absolutely just blows my mind apart and it just I I think it's that thing of like it's a very supportive kind of scene and everyone's just wanting to you know push it as far as they can but like but support each other throughout that and make sure everyone can do the best they can they can you know yeah so with with your skiing now you've sort of evolved the mountaineering side of it's become a big part as you said the film work as well, you know, um, uh, last film, I think, A Winter Affair, The Pursuit with Janina Kuzma. Um, yeah. That was just, just uh, released like last month in New Zealand. Um, how's the feedback from the crowds in that on that one? Yes, pretty pretty good, I think. Um, I went to one of the premieres in Wanaka and we had a full house and it's part of the New Zealand Mountain Film Festival. And I think, um, I think, we did, I think the film does a good job of like kind of showing the effort and and uh skills involved and in, and in getting into the sort of ski mountaineering side and and the dangers therein and you know that there's there's this much larger picture going on when you're when you're out in those kind of wild high alpine environments and trying to deal with that and create a film you know you've got to sort of make all these decisions based off safety and and get every, getting everybody home at the end of the day while trying to have a a good time and and tick your goals if you can but I think that's just what's what's so interesting to me about it is just you know, just this massive amount of all these extra bits you have to deal with, you know, and from the climbing and rope work and crevasse travel and snow safety and and all that kind of thing. The skiing is just like a, a smallish part of that almost, but it just makes for this incredible overall experience. Yeah, well, um, I've seen the trailer for the film. Haven't seen the um, 
the full film yet. Uh, trailer looked pretty gnarly. There's one scene where you're just at the top of this pinnacle like peak. Sheer drop on the side, and I get vertigo. I was going, hey, pretty gnarly. Like, um, yeah. So, yeah, was it all filmed in the Southern Alps, New Zealand? Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we've taken some, like, uh, what do you call it, like, background context, contextual kind of footage to explain the characters from elsewhere, but but the movie itself is all in all in the Southern Alps and, and largely around um, Mount Tasman and, like, some of the footage is around on Mount Cook and Elie de Beaumont from previous missions uh, did over the winter. So, yeah, I mean, out there, that whole kind of range around Mount Cook is just, it's just otherworldly. It's just like a coliseum, you know, of, of wild peaks. And so many of them haven't been skied and there's very good reason why. Yeah, well, um, I suppose, uh, like, being being able to do projects like that, it's pretty amazing. Like, I suppose, like, if you... 15-year-old Sam Smoothie would not have been thinking 20 years later he's going to be doing major projects like this. No, no, not at all. I, I think even like mid-20s mid Sam Smoothie would probably be very confused as to how far this has gone. Um, you know, it's very lucky to have, to have found um, sponsors that sort of believe in what I do and and, uh, and back me to, to, to bring value and, and sort of creation to the, to the, to the brand and, and really get out there and create products as well that sort of help redefine what you can do out there. Yeah. Well, I was thinking like, yeah, obviously the North Face, you know, the major sponsor, they, having a sponsor like that where content and supporting their athletes, you know, they produce a lot of stuff from all their sports, you know, not just the, the skiing, the mountaineering, you know, the alpine climbing. It's, um, if you're going to have a sponsor, they're a good one to have, I reckon. Oh, uh, yeah. Like... I still remember when I first got signed by them twenty was it two thousand and twelve and yeah, just been such a massive dream to me. It's like, you know, the cutting edge of, of Alpine sports and has been for a long time and I couldn't really believe that they wanted this scruffy little ski bum from um from Wanaka and to still be here, you know, so many years later is uh is a no more no small achievement and uh, but also just one that just yeah, I'm very, very thankful for. Well, you know, you sort of you touched on it there, you know, like um, s- professional snow athletes with a longevity career that you've had, you know, you think, okay, Northern Hemisphere, uh, US, uh, Canada and, you know, Europe might be a bit lo- more logical. You know, we have short seasons down here in uh, the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. Um, when was it an aim of yours to become a pro skier or did it just sort of happen? You went, oh, wow. Um it was something like, you know, I kind of like dreamed about when I was a teenager and um, and then it was sort of like, I, I don't think it was something I really thought was that possible. Uh, I always felt like when I was younger that I was like facing these older, better skiers and, and try, just trying to keep up as opposed to, to lead. And it was like my early 20s, I sort of thought, oh, if we're going to do this, we really kind of need to give it a proper shout and take it more seriously and train harder and and really sort of work on weaknesses and, and take it, yeah, a lot more professionally. And there was still quite a few years before it actually came to fruition. But, but yes, yeah, it, it takes a lot of work not to have a job. <laughs> but it is, it, is kind of a, it is kind of a job. Um, but just, yeah, one that, one that I really love. And, yeah, I'm just really, really happy to still be able to do what I love doing and, 
and how it's changed and evolved over the years and, and just still, you know, provide so much joy and excitement to my life. Well, you're saying in one of the films, you know, with the climbing, the mountaineering, how it's sort of all encompassing almost the experience in the mountains. So now, like the mountaineering, the climbing side is, is a huge part of it. Um, when did that develop? You know, because obviously when you're on the free ride world tour, you're fully focused yep. on the competition side of it. So when did this evolution happen? Like, yeah. Well, like, like I, um, last I got into, I got into like rock climbing with my mum. We still, I still go along to old lady rock climbing every now and then with her at the gym. She's like 69, still doing it. Um, but it was like, yeah, probably about six or so years ago, I really realized I needed to in- increase my skills in the Alpine and, and, uh, have just been getting out there and like, and really working on that and have been lucky enough to find some, some, uh, really good crew to sort of show me the ways over here and some of New Zealand's best alpinists have been very kind and sort of lending me, you know, their knowledge and time. And just you just got to get out there and, and learn off those who are better and work on and what's work on what your weaknesses are. And I call, I love going like mountaineering now. Apart from walking downhill without skis, that makes no sense to me. But um, you know, like it's it's this whole extra world of sort of barking up stumble and and yeah, I've probably gone climbing as much as I've skied so far this winter. Yeah, right. I was going to say, like, did you, with the early snowfalls, did you get out in the backcountry quite a bit? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're lucky. We've got, um, like, Remarkables has got some great ice and mix climbing. So as soon as that was formed up, I've been getting out there. And, you know, I feel like my skiing for what I do now is, you know, it needs maintenance, but it doesn't need to sort of go a whole lot of places. It's just got to be looked after and whereas my climbing you know can definitely improve a long way so yeah it's, uh, it's really exciting to have all these new challenges and, and have it still revolve around skiing itself you know it makes it all really you know worthwhile yeah totally um you know with if you know your career's pretty interesting it's like like well you know it's uh it's followed a, a similar path to a number of pro skiers you know like the free ride world tour then in a filming you know like then mountaineering, it's like, you know, it's like Cody, what Cody Townsend's doing at the moment, you know. Um, yeah. How important was the Freeride World Tour in, I know it's stepped you into, um, yeah, you're filming with Teton uh, Gravity, but what about with your skiing? How important was that? I think it was, um, it was great. It's like, it's, it's such a high pressure environment. It's um, providing this, you know, the situation where you have to perform under pressure and, and you've got the world's best there trying to outdo you. And it, it, it really allows you to kind of develop this, this kind of zero to focus and, and work on those things like how to, how to get into flow state and how to, yeah, just do what you know to do like on the day when it matters most. And it, it creates this reliance now that I, I can trust my skiing in all manner of horrible places. And I know it's going to, it's going to come through and, you know that's uh, that's been an immensely special kind of uh, skill, and, and I think even just down to simple things like being able to like look at a mountain and memorize the route down, and and be able to recognize that you know that's that's huge on really big objectives. Being able to like route find on the fly at speed, and you know that's something I'm I'm reasonably uh, talented at. Don't know about that word, but yeah, it was actually I was I I was in uh, Verbia this year when the the final event was on. Yeah. And uh, watching that to Beck the Rockers, which was pretty low tide. Yeah. 
it's kind of looking at going, going, before we started going, where are they going to ski? I couldn't see a line. And then you get, oh my God, it's quite, quite mind blowing. And the fact you've only get to watch and look at it, you know, from afar and then work out your route. I yeah. mean, that skill to just an average skier like me seems fairly unique. Yeah. Impossible. It's, it's definitely one that takes a lot of time and, and you've got to put the work in to, to develop it, but like the tour's a, a great place for that. And then even, say, filming, you know, sometimes when you're filming in Alaska, like, you'll do your line and then they'll be like, if, if you know, you've got 10 minutes of light left, is there anything else you want to do? And you've got, a lot, you've got like two minutes to look at a face and be like, oh, I'll go do that. Then. Yeah. And then they fly you up and off you go, like, real rip snort, you know, and... Uh, sometimes doesn't come off but like you know that's a quite a dream you know version of utilizing that skill and and then it's still super useful yeah. for mountaineering in terms of just knowing where you're going and on the way up and way down you know well you you mentioned earlier like you're in um you won the uh, event in andorra 2015 i think it was and then tgr filmed you and took you straight to alaska was that your first time in alaska no i've been to alaska with my first time was with Harrow actually took me to points north Cordova and we filmed and shot a, little, a bit of photos there and that was my first time which was right yeah it was pretty amazing like just seeing that kind of hallowed terrain up close and getting to lay your tracks on it uh and then I think I think that next trip was my next go and we that was it was a real sliding doors moment as well like because it was like two halves of the trip and they were like do you want the first half or the second half? And then I just randomly picked the first half and um, had an amazing time. We got to ski just some incredible lines and with, you know, Sage Catabrigalosa and Angel Collinson and Nick McNutt and had an absolute ball. Yeah. And just to be doing that in front of TGR's cameras was just so insane. And then we left and then the group that came in for the second half got totally scummed. And... Didn't really, didn't get anything. Didn't really go skiing, so it was just full luck that I randomly like, oh yeah, I'll go first. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know? So who knows what would have happened if I'd been the second bunch and got no shots and spent a bunch of money, you know? Yeah. It's kind of it's always funny to look back at those things and wonder what if. Well, yeah, what if you would have gone back to your sponsor and said, Sorry about that, I haven't got anything. And um Yeah. The way you go. Now obviously, um, Given what you do and the situations you're in, injuries are always uh, potentially uh, uh, something that's can, going to happen. And um, you've had a few big ones over the years. I remember that, like nine, 2019, that near-death one in um, in Austria. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start? Well, how do you manage that, like the thought of injuries and the well, you know if the fear of injury? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like kind of part and parcel with it, and, and especially when you're – when you're young and pushing it, you know, you're breaking bones and ligaments and things like that. And as you progress and you're sort of hoping you get wiser and uh, a little more switched on. But with like, once once you really start getting into the big lines and uh, the high exposure, you really realize how how like, fine that line is and, and uh, you know, the, the real gravity of the situation you're dancing with and, it's something you really got to prepare yourself for and, and, and make sure that you're like physically and mentally prepared to step into that arena and you're not sort of, you know, hiding from any kind of truths. And it's, it really lays you bare when, when it comes down to crunch time and 
you know, it's, it's something that's got to be monitored and you've got to make sure you're, you're really on top of your game because otherwise horrible things will happen, you know. And it's, it is kind of a somewhat a war of attrition. You know, the longer you spend out there taking these chances, the more likely it is mathematically speaking that, you know, you're going to get it wrong and go for a ride. And, you know, it's, it's something you've got to be aware of and, and prepare for. Well, that, that one in 2019, that was a horrendous crash, you know, and um, put you out for a long time. What, you know, you, you know like, like you said, like you had a helmet on, it was just smashed your helmet. What, what, were, what were the injuries out of that one? And it was the recovery time. Um, I mean, that was, that was, yeah, definitely the head injury was the, was the prime issue. Uh, I, was, I was unconscious and not breathing when they found me and um, yeah. sort of managed to get me going again. Um, but then I just, I basically, uh, I landed on rocks on my back backwards from about 20, 25 up. And, um, yeah, I had like my whole pack was like shot full of holes. I had, I just had a lot of like blunt force trauma really. Um, so I've got like a large wad of scar tissue on my right hip, um, which sort of inhibits movement there. And, uh, you know, but it was, it was mainly the, the head injury and, and I think head injuries are one of the more terrifying things, you know, it's who you are as a person and all those, you know, special memories all wrapped up in there. And, you know, so it's definitely, um, it's definitely something that, that frightens me and that concept of losing who you are um, through a head injury is, is absolutely terrifying. And yeah, definitely recommend wearing a helmet at all times as I do, but, um, but also recognizing that helmets aren't, gonna protect you from everything and you gotta make be making good decisions at the same time, you know. They're not they're not rated to fall into rocks from twenty five meters. That's not what they're expecting no, you to no. do with them. I mean that was um I was it poor decision making, it was just one of those things, you know? Just happened. Um I think I think it was like I think it was that I was yeah like kind of cutting corners on my decision making. I was I was letting my sort of ambition and ego kind of mainline me past really seeing the, the full situation and and my main concern with that line was that it would avalanche or like more like heavy slough really than a proper avalanche but in that exposed terrain with that huge close up you know that it's kind of it doesn't really matter if it's an avalanche or a slough but yeah that was my main problem that I'd foreseen yeah. so when it happened and I dealt with it as planned I guess I was kind of less focused on the secondary hazard, which was still that I was skiing above a very large cliff. Um, and I think I was just yeah. a bit too confident and hadn't accounted for that because it had the, the nice soft snow had slid off. It was like crunchy crust underneath and I just got hooked up. And so it was, it was unfortunate, but I definitely could have been more aware of, of the gravity of my situation. And I think I am now. Yeah. And how's the recovery been? Yeah. It was kind of a slow one. Um, I think with head injuries, you really got to be slow and just take it easy. Um, and then just, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, well, then I went, I had about six weeks off and then I went to Jackson Hole and threw a front flip off a cliff and hit my thumb on the ski on the landing and uh, ripped the whole ligament off. So then I was back to hospital pretty soon oh. after. <laughs> um and then I had to get surgery on that, and then that took that took uh, half a year or something to get that thumb working properly. But she's good and strong now. So yeah, so twenty nineteen <laughs> won't go down as your favourite year. 
No, it was not. It was not. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to you got to rough that out. Yeah. Cool. How hard was it? Um, getting back in the saddles to use a bad cliche. Um, I mean, I think it was. It wasn't too bad. I think it because I came back and I had like a bit of summer and like focus on getting myself physically prepared and, and that kind of helped me mentally prepare for it. I just made sure I like kind of eased in when I got home and just went and did some soul skiing, you know, and just had a good time. Yeah. Just doing regular old skiing without doing anything too nuts and just kind of built it back up step by step. And, and that was also kind of when I really started focusing mainly on ski mountaineering and just how much I loved just going on these adventures that didn't necessarily require the highest end of, skiing or athletic ability in that regard but just more exploratory and kind of found that kind of avenue to exciting to turn off and haven't, haven't really gone back yeah and it's okay that's a focus now so will you will you still be doing your um regular segments with tgr or what's what's the future uh, hold for you we filmed a we filmed a short piece this year in canada um with christina lustenberger okay uh, it's probably one of the greatest skiers i've ever been out with incredible operator in the mountains and ski mountaineer and so freakishly strong um so yeah that'll be cool a couple of first descents and near her home in in rivelstoke canada um but i think now we'll see we'll see what happens i haven't really made any plans for the northern winter but um i'm planning on a new project in new zealand which is an attempt to try and climb and ski all 24 of the 3000 meter peaks yeah um which is a ridiculously ambitious idea and what I'm not sure if it's possible to accomplish, but I'm just, I just really love it, you know, exploring at home and there's so many of these peaks haven't been skied and that's just something I'm incredibly passionate about at the moment. And I think it's going to be a very interesting couple of busy winters here and yeah, going to give it the, give it the best shot we can. And as soon as, yeah, as soon as we get a, a bit of stable weather, we'll be heading out there to check out the first view we've got. Yeah, I was going. I got play. seven of twenty-four skis now. How many total? Did you say? It's twenty-four. I've got seven. Right. Um. So, uh, was that seventeen? Yeah. Jesus, seventeen to go. <laughs> seven to go. And what's your time frame? You're not going to knock them over this year, obviously. But um. Absolutely not. Oh, to be honest, I'm not really putting a time frame on it. Um, it's something that you really need the right conditions for. Um, Alistair McDowell and his climbing partner, who's in Skatmed, just climbed all of them last year in, in a 34-day push. Wow. No, a 30-day push, I think it was. Wow. But with skiing, you know, you got to go up and down. Yeah. And, um, and you got to have snow conditions you can actually ski on, which is not that common on the wow. roof of New Zealand. So um, I'm just going to give it – I'm just going to try and pick the best windows I can and, and utilise the best conditions we can get and, yeah – Get out there and get stuck in. Have you have you got a priority list? Which one do you want to knock off, or just going to go okay, dictated by conditions? Which peak you hit for head for? It'll be definitely like dictated by conditions. Um, I've definitely got favourites that I'm really excited about. Uh, Multi Brun is an incredible mountain. It's only been skied once. Uh, I'd like to ski Symes Ridge on Tasman. That's been skied a few times, but it's just a gorgeous fluted ridge kind of line. Um, Still haven't skied off the very top cook, so that'd be pretty special. Um, we've, got the, we've got the Caroline face done, so I don't, I don't want to do that ever again. No, um, it'd be horrendous. And 
Oh my god! Yeah, no, we can just leave that one. So I, I want to do I want to do cook three times because it's got three peaks. Right. So we're gonna say we've got the middle peak with Caroline. I'd like to do something off the top of the high peak, and then also the northwest couloir on the low peak. So yeah, it's gonna be a bunch of big missions, a bunch of big long days, and a fair bit of suffering, I imagine. But um, uh, it's just what a challenge. It just seems like you just can't not try, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's going to sort of mapped out things for the next few years for you. I'd say so. Yeah, and and like we'll just we'll just sort of take it as it comes and just quietly whittle away at them. And, and a lot of them are like most of them are centered around Mount Cook itself. So we'll be able to like get in there and just see what's on the cards. And I think as the project goes on, it'll get harder because the options will get lower and. And um, I think it's going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be sort of, I don't know, the magnum opus of everything has been building towards this one stupidly massive project. So yeah, yeah. And then that, were you released, gonna take filming and releasing as a series? Yeah, I'll be doing it as a series. Um, filming it's going to be so, so difficult. Um, so we're going we're gonna to do a lot of it ourselves and then kind of cherry pick some of the easier to film more cinematic options to actually get the crew in there. Yeah. Cause um, with just with the weather windows and conditions, I just have to be on call all winter and spring and be like, right, this one looks on, we're off tomorrow and, um, and get out there and, and give it a go and having to wait around for cameras just isn't going to work. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting series. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds tiring. But, um, no, it sounds pretty awesome. Well, um, you know, it's, Good to see things are all panning out quite nicely for you. You've got got the uh, the roads laid out pretty nicely. Yeah, it's it's nice to have like you know it's nice to have a bit of clarity and drive um, in these times. And yeah, I'm just really thankful for the situation I'm in and and the continued support and just yeah, really really pumped to see where this goes and and where the next adventure lies. Yeah, well, no, I'm looking forward to it. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the pursuit as well. That'll be the first cab off the rank. When's that going to be available online? Uh, I'll have to check with Janina on that one. That's 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 her um, side of things. Uh, I imagine it can't be too far away from being online, though. Um, it's kind of been doing the film festival and, and some premiere rounds, so it can't be too far away. So, yeah, I'll check in with her and let you know. All right, cool. All right, Sam. Well, um, thanks for your time and joining us here at Chill Factor. It was um, It was good. And um, also, thanks for your contributions over the years because we ran that big feature of yours last year. Feel free to um, write any more features. Just contact Harrow and we'll, we'll get it happening. <laughs> yeah, sounds good, man. There's going to be plenty of adventures to, uh, to lend towards that, so I'm sure we can come up with something. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, well, you take it easy. Hope the rest of the winter pans out and uh, you get plenty of powder turns up in the saddle in downtown Treble Cone. Sounds pretty good. Cheers, Rego. Okay, no worries, Sam. See you later. Bye-bye. See you. Well, that wraps up another Chill Factor podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please rate, review it, and share it with friends. And we'll be back with another episode in a few weeks. Until then, get out and live and love Australian skiing. And don't forget, you can find us at chillfactor.com.